0: Welcome to the Recruitment Leadership Podcast hosted by Alison Humphreys. The Recruitment Leadership Podcast is here to help those in the recruitment industry gain awareness and understanding on the hot topics faced by those in the business of hiring people. In each episode, Alison Humphreys is joined by a fellow expert to offer professional knowledge, insight, and advice on the biggest subjects affecting recruitment businesses. It's the podcast to listen to for recruitment business frontrunners seeking expert information from industry-leading advisors. Welcome to the Recruitment Leadership Podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to the Recruitment Leadership Podcast. I'm Alison Humphreys and I'm joined today by Adam Oldfield, who is the CEO of Force24. Welcome, Adam.
2: Thank you very much, Alison.
1: Pleasure. So for our listeners... This is the first in a series of podcasts which are all focused on the issue of candidate shortages. And we're going to look at it, the the whole issue, from very different angles with different guests over the next four. Adam obviously is in a a brilliant position to talk about marketing. So a little bit of background, first of all. Um, Adam, actually, you were the founder of Force24, now CEO. And after spending 10 years in senior marketing, Adam basically began a journey to develop a solution that would free marketeers and allow them to do smart marketing at speed. So he called it Force24. It is now one of the most in-demand marketing automation platforms in the UK. And you have upwards of about 5,000 marketers that you support.
2: That's right. Staggering.
1: And Force24 is the future. You've just received um, $5 in investment, which is great. Adam, I know you're a real channel expert. So what Adam doesn't know, listeners, about email marketing really isn't worth knowing. And he's very kindly agreed to issue a special offer, uh, which we'll come back to, to listeners of this podcast if they choose to take up Force24's services. So, um, Adam... Before we narrow down the conversation onto candidates specifically, I'd just like to start with um, a broad question. In your experience, what are the most common mistakes that you see recruiters making with their marketing?
2: Okay, yeah, sure, thanks, Alison. Um, Yes, good question because actually, you know, you introduced me at the start as being, my domain experience being centered around email, the answer to that isn't necessarily just about email so the the biggest thing that we see recruiters failing to really build is brand value uh and 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 brand value is something that that you when you mention the name to somebody they oh those guys yeah i know them because of why why, 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 why. they're really good at blah 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 yeah and that's that's the value that, that that a lot of the smaller recruitment businesses have failed to adopt and email is then used as a channel purely to fulfill a need of usually spec and TVs CVs or spec and candidates, whichever, or, or, or vacancies, whichever way around you want to do it. So I think that the, the, the recruiters need to get on board with what marketing is all about, and that's educating and building that loyalty or that brand recognition. It's, it's absolutely critical. I then see that going back to the email channel where, where a lot of marketers in recruitment businesses or, or um, whoever is operating the marketing within the business, is either spending nowhere near enough time on personalization or way too much time and resource on personalization. Um, and this is this is something that you know we always say at 424, look, the, the magic comes by when you send the right message to the right person at the right time. And if you can nail that, you can pretty much do whatever you want. Now, the problem with that is that requires personalization, segmentation, time and effort. Now, my view of this is you know you've got you've got two choices you either strip everything out and do everything as plain text emails i hate that personally i think any brand that communicates solely through plain text emails hasn't got a face hasn't got a, a, any you know perceivable values or culture that i can buy into as a as a potential customer and yet the effort required to do that is too much so what we see is we see people way over engineering content way over engineering e- emails it's about the commodification of that effort to mean that you've got a really smart simple simplistic message that is looks cool it conveys your brand message and is not just all about spec and TVs and candidates we're adding value
1: so if i can just interrupt you there Let's go back to your first point you made about building brand value first rather than just flogging jobs or flogging candidates. Can you describe an example that, that our recruitment audience would be able to relate to um, where you've seen someone do that really well?
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. So, um, there's lots of examples of where it's been done well, and there's lots of examples where it's been done really badly. And I've got some. I've got a. I've got a brand example, and I've got a, a tactical example that I want to share with you. So, so a brand example would be say, say my brand values. One of our brand values is that we're, we're supportive. Obviously, that's of course what it is. So, how are we living that supportive value through the pandemic? And you know, we heard on the news today, France are just about to lock down, or they've locked down. So, skiing holidays are off the agenda for for January, but you know, what are we going to do to support businesses through that pandemic? So my communications right now from Force24 are all about how we're supporting businesses through this difficult time. Talk more to your customers. I know that's not a recruitment specific, but it's a brand specific execution. It aligns to our values. What are we doing now? We're not just trying to sell you automation. We're telling you how we're going to help you with content, with support, with advice, whatever it may be. But I then want to talk about then a more tactical example and this was a client of ours, that they did a great job of really understanding what it meant to be specking vacancies to candidates. Okay, so what they did was they said, right, okay, you're going to come on board with, with us and we're going to add value to that customer by building them on every instance, whether it's a single job or whether it's a hundred jobs, a recruitment hub. So they built a technology that meant that they could just deploy this recruitment hub and they put effort into creating this single point For this particular company, where it showed the company's values, a little bit about the culture, and then there the vacancy was. And what they did was they then pinned all of their marketing communications around these brand hubs. So when they were talking about a vacancy, and they were speccing vacancies to candidates, great, they were doing it, but creating this immense amount of value rather than returning to a job post with a paragraph of text and an apply now button. What they did was they recognized that, look, Maybe our brand isn't the important thing here. It's the brand of the client. And the client wants to get on board with the fact that you're going to invest in me. And so they said, we're going to build this hub. And the, the output quality was brilliant. But they had honed it down to be able to produce these hubs in just a matter of minutes. But when you looked at the pages, it was like, that's really cool. I really want to work for this company. It made every company look like Google. And that was great, You know, assuming it was they were a tech-specific recruitment business. But I thought that's smart because they created that hub.
1: If I've understood you correctly, I think you're describing something that in my head looks a bit like a sort of microsite or that. Are you saying that the, the email communication each highlighted a different aspect of this client?
2: Yeah. Well, the point is they put the work in up front. They understood the values and the benefits to the candidate. They built a single microsite landing page, whatever. But it was it was rinse and repeat. You know, this vacancy looks like this one. But what it meant was all of the email communications talked to varying points on that culture, on whatever. And you think of the power that that then brought to those communications. You really get to understand that's a cool business to work for. That's a really, really cool business to work for. But then the message that they then used in their client attraction was about, look, we don't just follow the herd. You know, we we do really different things. We do cool things. And so what that did was it it sort of meant that they're driving value to the candidate, but they're also were driving the value to the customer as well, because the customer would then link to that page as well and talk about how great they were and how it made them look like Google. And it, it was for me, it was just a demonstration where somebody's really got under the skin of what a candidate needs and what a client needs, done it in one thing and output it. Tech exists to make that really easy. And our product obviously was the engine behind it.
1: Thank you. So I'd like to come back in, uh, to some aspects of that. But this point you're talking about brand value and um, getting our potential customer base to actually understand what we stand for rather than just flogging them jobs and candidates. Um, I think I think sometimes the issue there with some of the recruitment business owners I know is that they're accustomed to measuring the results of what they've called their marketing through, you know, did we fill that job from that advert? Can I therefore put that net fee income down against that particular job board? And they're really puzzled with the woo-woo of how do how should I be measuring marketing? Um, so could you give our listeners some, some advice there? If you were a recruitment business owner, say, you know, a, a sort of sub-25 people in your business, what do you think... Those owners should be measuring in terms of their marketing effectiveness.
2: Brilliant, brilliant question, and uh, I think I've got a really good answer for this. I'll let you be the judge of that. Essentially, I believe that if you were to if you were to say what is it that makes your business valuable to the outside world, one of the attributes that you've got is what we class as a data asset. Okay, so you've got candidates, you've got clients. Every recruitment business is out there, and it never fails to amaze me how big these data assets are. They're massive. They're in the tens of thousands for even relatively small businesses. Now, if I was to say all of your people walked out of your business tomorrow, they all left. Is your business now valueless because you don't have people in the business? No, it still has a value because you've got your data asset. Now, I don't think that many businesses recognize that they are actually being powered day by day, not necessarily just by the people sat in the seats, which of course they are. But by that data asset that they're sat on. So, what what I'm saying is that we've got to find ways within our business to value that data asset because when you get bought by somebody upstream from you guys, one of the things they're going to look at is the unit economics that that data asset powers. You know, how much effort is going into every single call? How much effort? How many calls do I have to make until I get a, a, a candidate price? Whatever. And that data asset is a fundamental. Now, I believe that attaching metrics on top of that data asset. Now, this seems very hypothetical. What it means is you're moving from reporting on campaigns, i.e. I sent out an email, got an open rate of X and a Y. Yeah, I still do that. But you're actually starting to look at the audiences themselves and how they're growing and how they're engaging. Now, again, I'm talking about this is what our product does. You know, It helps you understand how that audience is evolving and how it's engaging. And one of the things that I use that really helps me understand the audience is, is lead scoring. You guys might be using it already, might be commonplace in your business, who knows, might not be, but if you've not, lead scoring is basically the process of saying everybody in my database has got a score on their head. Might be zero. Means they've not done anything in a while. But it should be as they engage with your brand, even opening an email, clicking an email, visiting your website, looking at those scores go up. And when they're this is an engagement lead score, by the way. Some people get confused with a lead score, which is just, i.e., it's a carpenter and he lives in that area that doesn't mean anything that's this is an engagement lead score so as they do stuff the scores go up and what i'm looking at is that top 95 percentile of people how am i lifting those up how is my audience engaging with me because if i was to say to the real value your audience on here on this podcast the real value is not me being here not you being here it's the connection you've got with the audience how do you measure that and I think lead scoring is one of those really, really critical metrics. Again, it's one of the things that we do. And, you know, it's, it sounds like a pitch, but it, it genuinely is the thing that I think this industry is really going to wake up to and say, as a as valuation metric, this is how engaged my, my client base is. This is how I engage my candidate base is. How are you going to do that?
1: Okay, so just to make sure I've understood correctly, what you're talking about is every time somebody opens an email or downloads something from your website – that affects their score. And the idea is that this is the precursor to an actual engagement when they're, they're as it were, preheated. <laughs>
2: correct, correct. I mean, it's down to the business to apply what is it that constitutes an engagement. And you might have sophisticated things that you answered the phone to me. That's So that's a few points maybe or whatever. You know, it doesn't have to just be open an email, click an email. It's mo- I, I personally feel that it's mostly that self-instigated web activity that powers it. You know, if I'm browsing your website then that's got to be the leading indicator hasn't it and, and how many of my 20,000 candidates are currently engaging with me or have engaged me with me in the last 30 60 90 days and that for me is one of those things that that's the health score of the data set isn't it we've met we've met recruitment businesses where you know you, you the consultants pick up the phone and they, they're dialing at an amazing rate and they're getting getting great connections but their email is terrible. you know consultants have made up email addresses. You've got do not email in there and oh, you know, we didn't collect tixes, you know, we didn't see the point. I was I could talk to him on the phone, whatever. And that is one of the things that that's hampering this at the moment. You've got to be able to talk to them via direct channels. You've got to, not just the phone.
1: Yeah, ab- absolutely true. And I know because sometimes I do some sampling work that some of the recruitment business owners I work with are stunned when they read what their people are actually sending out by email now look automated marketing sounds wonderful it sounds absolutely life-changing to most recruitment business owners but i know that in reality implementation is like the huge it's a huge hurdle for lots of people so you must have guided a lot of your own clients through successful implementation, well, a stroke education. Could you give us some tips or a checklist or anything like that for owners who are thinking of applying this kind of technology?
2: Yeah, sure. Actually, you know, in terms of a checklist, that's really difficult to do. But in terms of a tip, yeah, that's really easy to do. And the first one is, is recognise you're not building Rome in a day, okay? so So the acquisition of a, a product like ours is actually the start of the journey, okay? So we recognize that we're not gonna be as, as mature on day one as we're gonna be in mature on day 700. And that maturity curve goes like that. What we tend to see is the vision attempted to be squeezed into a, a single day. So where I'm buying this product, I wanna do this. Cool, does all that. Doesn't mean you're gonna do it all. And that's that's the reality because any brand that tries to race too quickly and run before they can walk, tends to find that the automated aspect just means they're sending more spam. And that's actually a really negative outcome. You know, we want to get better engagement. So my advice to anybody acquiring or buying automation would, would be to say, what's your objective? What are you trying to do? We're trying to improve candidate engagement, try to improve uh, client engagement, whatever it might be. Okay, cool. So what are we going to do on day one for that? What are we going to do on day... 30 for that. What are we going to do on day 16? Where's the biggest pain point? So it's that prioritization of effort and recognizing it's a journey, not a, the lights are on, let's do it. So I do think that manufacturers, product manufacturers need to get better at supporting their clients through this journey. And that's one of the things that we did. We said, we give you free training and support for life, knowing that that initial, whatever they charge you for training and support over there. It's going to be gone in, in uh, you know, a week. And most of that memory is, uh, you know, it's now we've forgotten it. We've moved on. So that free, constant iterative training means you've got to keep on growing.
1: And I completely agree with you. In fact, when you and I met before, uh, I was talking about this Tinder approach to marketing, that when people are saying, oh, there's no candidates, what they mean is when they send a mass email to a load of people they've never met before on LinkedIn, they don't get people going, yes, I'd like to move jobs today. <laughs> you know? People just won't put out in that way on the first the first approach. Um, I had a really good example of that just recently. It was interestingly, it was a, it was a company trying to sell private jet services. Now, um, I'm flattered that they thought I was in their target group. But I, I kept it thinking, yeah, do you know what, one of my clients might be interested in this in the future. And they'd set up a sequence automation that when i went back said i'm interested but not now it was like i think 48 hours later i got the how about now message (laughs) so yeah suddenly in 48 hours i really need a private jet it was a bit bizarre and a bit relentless actually until i eventually just stopped communication now i'd like to 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 now focus in on the whole candidate issue because I think we're we're all agreed that people in recruitment need to take a longer term view of engaging candidates than they might previously have done, where all they did was put a few lines from a job description in front of them and sort of who's interested. So just looking at that that, what what positive and or negative trends have you seen related to recruiters marketing to candidates?
2: Yeah, okay. Well and we've already touched upon the first one, which is Becking out CVs, playing text all day from consultants. Fine, if that's a fundamental part of your business, I'm not saying you've got to stop that. I'm saying that you've got to temper that with good news stuff. Who the hell are you? And, 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 and my view is actually I don't get angry at emails coming in my inbox. I don't. I'm not one of those guys. But I do reach a state of what I call inbox lethargy. And inbox lethargy says I just ignore it. I've not unsubscribed because that would at least give you the nod that I'm not interested I just ignore it which means that inbox lethargy is the killer that's actually the graveyard because that means that without knowing you'll get suppressed further and further down into the, the spam filters and nobody's engaging and it's just a poor but your your analogy that you, you gave me you gave before about the tinder swipe right you know confession i've never actually been on tinder so i don't know whether you swipe right or swipe no, right
0: revy,
1: i just like to point out it's i'm told that's how it works
2: <laughs> right well whichever way you swipe okay so there's some laws of attraction in play that we as humans understand, don't we? We get that. And we, we those that have been successful on the online dating recognise that they can't put a crap picture of them on, or even worse, not put a picture on. They can't then just, whatever, I'll just put that down on the... You have to think about it. It's a competitive market. Now, we get that analogy. And I think that's really, really smart, Alison. And I think it's great for you to bring that to the table because that's fundamentally... The bit that I'm struggling with most. And that's what you're doing when you're just specking out candidates. You've got some great words in there. Amazing, amazing words. I don't read them. I don't read them. And actually, one of the things that I find is, you know, I talked to a moment ago, spending too much time and effort in personalization. People are spending way too much time and effort. What we've got to recognize is an email lasts in my brain for eight hours. It's gone after eight hours. I can prove that to you, Alison. Think of an email you received yesterday, any commercial email you received yesterday.
1: Uh, I'm, just, I'm struggling, I'm thinking about, gosh.
2: Okay, let me shortcut this. You might remember Groupon was in there, or you might remember, but you can't remember the specifics of any commercial email that landed. You can't, it's gone, it's gone. So we as marketeers have invested loads of time creating this and it's just landed and it's gone, it's gone. And that's, that's, a sort of, that's, that's the position that we've got to recognize. So we also need to recognize that candidates and clients alike, but I know we're talking about candidates. Not everybody's ready to jump today. So what you end up doing is you end up talking only to those that, that are ready to jump. So where's the value that you're building on those that haven't? So how are you, you know, you placed me in a vacancy three years ago. I still really like it. But you know what? We're in this period of time that they call the great resign. Have you heard that that expression, Alison? Yep.
1: Yep. Um, yeah, that's
2: scary. You know, I mean, I think I've really seen it. But you know, we're in this period of the great resign, and you know, after a certain period of time, I may wish to jump again. Why you? Why am I going to remember you? All right, you placed me last time. But you know what? Things change, you know, and there's a new place open up over there. And Somebody's moved from there to there. And I, I knew Dave, I didn't know the agency. I just knew Dave from the agency and he's now over there. So, you know, and, and it's like, why you? Why are you different? Why are you special? And a lot of businesses, they struggle to articulate this. And I think this is the role of the directors. What is your vision? What is your mission and what is your purpose? And if you can clearly articulate that to your audience and you can actually demonstrate that you're living that vision, mission and purpose, Brilliant! you've got half a chance and that's what marketing is all about for me but i love that swipe right analogy i think it's just so powerful
1: i just want to say to our listeners it is not enough to put an unsubstantiated thing out there that says oh we're different we won't send you irrelevant cvs point one point two we like to build long-term relationships with our clients. that doesn't make you different <laughs> so try and have something more distinctive Um, Can we just think about this from a point of view of people who are either taking a complete review of their marketing or um, perhaps are, in effect, marketing virgins? They've been doubling around with a few ideas, um, but they'd like to, for 2022, have a a proper strategy. Um, Let's just think about those people who are um, certainly in the very early stages, never had a strategy before. In your view, for a recruitment business, what is the sort of minimum starter pack um, that you would recommend for recruiters beginning their journey?
2: Okay, yeah. So firstly, let's just draw a quick distinction here between what's known as sales automation and marketing automation. Okay, so products out there like Sales Loft or I think Herefish is, is obviously the Bullhorn product, Hairfish, you know, what these do is they empower consultants. So you've got a great consultant, you've got a bad consultant. Okay. what that's going to do is is that's going to because it's the consultant led messaging, you're going to have some that are really good and some that are really bad. Sales automation is great. Great. I think it's an evolution from marketing automation that occurs first. So marketing automation is about me conveying my brand message. Now, in order for you to build a strategy to support that, Alison, we've already spoken about You know, you have got to understand what you're there for. What are what are the messages that really resonate with the users? And as like you say, building long-term relationships. Of course, you want a long-term relationship with your customers. Who doesn't? The point is, it's what is that differentiating point, and how are you going to demonstrate that? And that is a creative thing. That's me sitting down and thinking. You know what? This is going on in the news at the moment. That's going to affect some of my customers. I'm going to just write something that sort of this is what I think about that. And I've got a bit of experience because you know I'm in this job and I've done that for years. Whatever. And I'm gonna send that out to my customers because that's value. It's what I do on LinkedIn, it's what I do on Twitter, it's what I do on whatever. So it's deploying that value into the audience in a really, really smart way. So the strategy is really simple. I wanna engage with more people. Your tactics that you use in between there are the bit that are gonna change. So my strategy is I wanna engage more people, I wanna place more candidates, I wanna do this, this. I wanna create a warm seat for every new consultant that comes into into the building. These are my strategy goals. And then I say, well, how am I going to do that? Well, you know that data that I've got in the business? You know, all the clients and the candidates? Okay, so let's look. How are we going to improve that? Well, we're going to have a policy that says I'm going to talk to them at least once a month. At least I'm going to ring them once a month. Maybe that's too much. I'm going to email them twice a month as a minimum standard because that keeps that data asset alive and it can verify whether we've got bounces and dead people or whatever it might be. And I'm going to do that, and then I'm going to build a content strategy which says I'm going to listen to the news, uh, and I'm going to try and build content that I think people are going to want to want to do. And the way the way that I do that, and the way that we do it at Four Twenty Four is we just think of a title. So okay, let me. Th- I'll do one right now. Five tips to grow client engagement in 2022. Who's going to read that? Maybe. So we start with a title, we refine it and we say, now it's not sexy enough. We've got to get more sexy. We've got to get really cool with this. Okay. Five tips to supercharge candidate engagement. Okay. Now we're listening. And now my job is to go away and write those five tips. So that's a content strategy. That's really, so I've got streams to my strategy, but my goals are persistent. These are my goals. I want a warm seat, Grow candidate engagement, blah 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 blah, and this is how I'm going to do it. Does that answer your question? I kind of went off piece a little
1: bit. So I'm, I'm think I'm beginning to understand your distinction between sales automation or routines, even, and then content automation. Which goes on in the background, but and and I couldn't agree more that uh, an awful lot of the databases that I see in recruitment are in fact just data graveyards, and when when people actually get a requirement, they're still st- they're starting on LinkedIn instead of starting with their CRM because it's cold, because it's dead, because it's unreliable. Yeah, but just to go back to the original question, which was looking at, but um, automated. Um, Marketing as a as a part of the whole. I, I was asking for your view on a starter pack marketing-wise, for what would you recommend as the minimum that a recruitment business should have? Let's assume they have they do have some data to build on. So, for example, in my own business, my marketing people, loaded type, uh routinely help me put out one good meaty piece of written content which is publicized on social media I do four social media posts i do a podcast you know and that and that's my you know that's that's my starter pack if you will uh, I, I, it may be an impossible question to ask answer adam i don't know no no i can
2: i can help you with it okay so so what i would say that you need i would okay so Say you know, you're working with Loaded hype, and you know, they're doing this wonderful, wonderful stuff. I would say that the requirement in addition to that for somebody starting off in business would be to say, right, I've got to have somewhere to put my data, firstly, obviously. Uh, then what I've got to have is I've got to have a communications tool. And Force24 does sort of represent this all in one place, which says, look, you've got, you've got the podcast. How are you going to tell people about this podcast? Well, I'm going to use social media. I'm going to use this. Okay, cool. How are you going to send the emails? where well, you need to talk to emails, emails drives the place for the data to live and the data drives the place for the need for the emails. Then I would say that it's all about having, I would say any business now, any business operating in today's climate needs access to a creative resource. It's For me, it's what you look like on the outside is, is critical. And you and Microsoft Paint just don't cut the mustard anymore. You know, there's great products out there like Canva, but I genuinely think it's worth having a retained creative resource. Be it an agency, be it a freelancer, whatever. I think that's essential.
1: And what would they, what would they be doing for you?
2: So they would be doing things like, okay, well, uh, the podcast. Firstly, I want email templates to support a podcast. Okay, and I never want to have to build them again. So that's cool, so I'll build it once and then I've got it then. But then things like, okay, well, you know what? We're going to do this. Um, we're going to do this content piece around the lockdown and how that's going to affect the great resign or whatever we're calling it now. Um, and I'm going to give tips into how to to structure your business to retain uh, you, you. Or no! I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you top five pieces of feedback as to why people leave jobs and businesses they love. Okay, okay. that'd be a great. I'd read that. That'd be an amazing piece. So I'm going to read. I'm going to write that. I'm going to bat it over to my Creative Resources. He's going to make a beautiful PDF, or she's going to make a beautiful PDF, and I'm going to stick it on a landing page, not my website. I'm going to stick it on a landing page. I'm going to direct people to download it. So without all that stuff, you know, I find that you know, especially if you've not got a marketeer in the business, if you are a sole, you know, you're a director-led marketing function where you're doing your day job and this, you have not got the time to make it look good. So you revert to type and you start just making words, long, verbose sentences that people don't read. And so getting that creative and do one thing for me, do one thing. If you can remember anything from this podcast, I call it the squint test. The squint test is put an email that you're about to send out on screen, Lie back in your chair, squint, tell me if the message pops. If you've got a piece of text on there and you can't read it, forget it, it's dead, dead in the water. You look at the current trends of email, it's all about really clear poppy messaging, landing pages, really clear poppy messaging. And I find a lot of businesses, especially with startup director-led marketing functions, they write war and peace. You know, people don't want to engage their brain. They want to go swipe right, swipe right, swipe right, swipe right, swipe right. And how quickly, I'm not reading this content and the value is usually down there. Get that value front and center
1: right okay absolutely so just to summarize then you're saying like have somewhere to have to, to keep your data have something some something that manages email um, have publicize link everything together I publicize for example your podcast on social media and so forth and then have this creative resource because things have to look right it's a very visual world isn't it yeah okay Adam um, this is really inspiring stuff you've obviously got loads more that you could share with us um you've kindly agreed to um offer listeners to our the recruitment leadership podcast um a special deal which i want to explain in a moment but i also want to explain that to listeners that you can hear how much input adam and his business have got and they do as part of their offer um give free training and support for forever i think to their customers have i got that right correct Um, And the offer that Adam's prepared to extend is two months free to anyone who signs up um, quoting the Recruitment Leadership podcast. Yeah, I'm sure you'll accept the Alison Humphreys podcast as well. Yeah, (laughs) Um, that'll press the button. Um, And Adam, contact details. Who should they be getting in touch
2: with? Just go to force24.com. Uh, and there a, there's either a book, a demo, contact us or a download a price guide. But obviously that offer won't be on that price guide. So, you know, go onto the website, give us a call, send us an email, fill in the form, whatever you want to do, whatever. Or there's even chat in the bottom right hand corner. Your call, whatever you want to do.
1: Fantastic. Um, and so if you're interested in talking to me, Alison Humphries, about your whole strategy, Um, for running your recruitment business and seeing it grow exponentially in 2022 so get in touch with me alison at recruitmentleadership.co.uk adam many thanks for being my guest i'm really inspired by your energy and you you've got so much to say Um, so i I hope we'll be doing some work together in the future thanks for
0: your time
2: thank you bye-bye
0: You've been listening to the Recruitment Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe, review and share so that others can find the podcast too. We really appreciate your support. If you have any questions about the topics covered or wish to find out more about Recruitment Leadership, please email alison at recruitmentleadership.co.uk referencing the podcast. We're also on LinkedIn where you can follow Recruitment Leadership and connect with Alison Humphreys. Thank you for listening and we hope you join us next time for another episode of the Recruitment Leadership Podcast.